Hello, everybody. It is another Monday night. Uh, this one happens to be June 10th, and it's another 10 dozen minutes, give or take, with Jake and Mr. Skullhead. I'm Mr. Skullhead, and on a different place in a different time, on a different island of a different channel of a different hole in the bottom of the sea, is Jake. I'm somewhere only we know. <clears throat> oh, no, somewhere... wait. I'm sorry. I'm somewhere and a wino. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were somewhere only ween knows. Hmm. Yeah. There is no ween anymore. So I guess I would be That's nowhere. True. How could they how could they break up? They were brothers. Well, mm-hmm. they were pretend brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oasis broke up and they were brothers. They, they were, were real brothers. They were real brothers. <laughs> they were Sly, brothers. Sly and the Family Stone planet. broke up and they consisted entirely of brothers. <clears throat> they were an actual family? Oh, I don't know. I was my joke was they were black dudes. Oh, gotcha. And I don't actually know if they were. I assume so. <laughs> I assume that all popular musicians prior to the 70s were black. Mm-hmm. And that in and, the 70s, when Elvis Presley co-opted black culture, then white people became the predominant musicians. So all four of the Beatles, blacker than the Ace of Spades? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Can I say blacker than the Ace of Spades? Is that a bad one? I don't know. I just uh, got here. That's just a thing that's black. Right. I mean... Any any object that is usually black has some kind of shortened form that's derogatory for black people, which is strange. Even eggplants, which are purple. Hmm. Yeah. Rednecks are not very good at that game. They're just like, hey, blacky, you're black, black guy. I Yeah, I didn't... Uh, my only exposure to eggplant as a derogatory term was from... Uh, fuck. True Romance? Yeah, it's in some movie... Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I saw a picture on Reddit the other day that was like, hey, this is why they're called eggplants, and it showed them when they are very young and they look like eggs. Oh, why, egg, oh, why eggplants are called eggplants? Yeah. Okay. yeah. This is why black people are called eggplants, and it showed a very young black person. That's kind of what I thought egg. you were saying. I had this horrible moment where I thought that's what you were saying. No. Yeah, oh, I only read slash r uh, racism. <laughs> Reddit.com slash r slash k k k. Actually, it's just 88. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought that KKK was the, the, the organization for people who are really agreeable. Yeah. That's actually JK, JK, JK. Um, that boy, uh, speaking of eggplants, are they gross? Yeah, I can't. I, you know, they're okay to eat, but afterward you just fart for weeks. Oh, I, I, I think uh, they're not okay to eat. I p- would probably enjoy the farting. Yeah, you usually do. But I, man, I, it's, I, I think that my whole I don't want to eat anything that's like soggy bread, including soggy bread. Uh, you can't make eggplant in a way that doesn't trigger that, uh-huh. you know, because it's not a raw eggplant is not so different from a squash, mm. but you cook it and it just turns into slime. Yeah, as far as your meat substitute goes, I would stick with uh, like a portobello mushroom mm-hmm. or some corn, <clears throat> some quinoa, which then now I know my parents had to correct me, me the like bleeding heart liberal on the proper pronunciation of quinoa oh yeah because i've been calling it quinoa because that's how it's spelled yeah but <coughs> yeah, it's a thing yeah having you my know, dad go actually it's quinoa son that yeah. is one of those things that is like 
it is so embarrassing and it is one of those things that just should not be at all embarrassing not knowing yeah. how a word's pronounced not knowing how to pronounce something because you've only seen it in writing like it always is like ah oh, fuck i'm such a dipshit but like no no you're not like, that's the thing that happens to everyone who reads, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. And no one does make you feel bad about it. It's one of those things like, oh, fuck, I thought that guy was waving at me, so I waved back, and it turned out he was waving at someone else. I'm yeah. the worst person on Earth. God, somebody just kill me. But nobody else cares. Yeah, although with the, the word thing, it's like, people like me who read a lot when I was a kid... We tend to be really impressed with our intellect and kind of condescending to people. And, you know, in like junior high, say, I was thought I was super smart and was super condescending to people. Round about through like junior year of high school, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then it when you met me and I straightened better. you out. <clears throat> yeah, when, when I met somebody who was even smarter and even more condescending to people. Yeah, exactly. It was like, damn, I can either join the hierarchy and be under this dude. But uh, I have the rest of my life to be under that dude. So I'm going to do something else. But so when you get caught in that, it's like, oh, my God, I keep telling everybody that they're stupid. And I just said asylum instead of asylum. And everybody who I thought was stupid already knew that that was how that was pronounced. Damn it. So it's worse because people who are likely to make that mistake are people who are likely to not want to ever make a mistake like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know, you know, the earlier you figure out that there's no shame in acknowledging that you don't know something, I think the better off you are. Yeah, the <clears throat> the two things that I want to teach my kid before he grows up too much is, there's no shame in not knowing something, and people who know more about something than you do are not your enemy, they should, they have something to teach you. Yeah. Because, I don't know, for a long time, it was like, God, fuck that guy. He knows how to brew beer, or he knows how to do woodwork and, and stuff, or fuck that Roy Watson guy. He knows how to draw. I can't draw. Yeah. I didn't ever ask him, Roy, can you teach me to draw? Yeah, I bet he couldn't. I just I, resented him. I don't think that's a thing. Like, somebody could probably teach yeah. you how to make beer, but I don't. that's the kind of thing where it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like, Mr. Skullhead, could you teach me how to be better at having sex with ladies and, and um, you'd be like well like i could i could give you some pointers but they wouldn't work on you because you don't have the right equipment yeah like you can you can watch me do it and see if you pick anything up yeah uh not gonna do that 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 yeah. is one that's i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let that one go don't the, get too close because you might actually pick something up yeah people who like, are better at sex than you uh, are your enemy and you should not they, like you should not try to learn anything from them Right. What you should just you should just what you have to do is just hope that they didn't used to date whoever you're dating now, unless they're a person with whom you want to have sex. Because hmm. so, that's okay. Uh, I don't know, man. It like if a girl who is way better at sex than you are, that's gonna kind of suck for her, right? I mean, well, I guess who cares? Well, th then she teaches you sure the ways of the the getting better at sex. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I learned how to go down on girls because I dated a uh, lesbian for a while. I didn't hmm. know it. She didn't know it, but uh, that's how it turned out. See, I learned how to uh, make uh, make killer falafels because I dated a Lebanese for a while. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. 
I learned how to freak out about everything for no reason because I dated a thespian for a while. <laughs> uh, I learned how to build a wall all the way across England because I dated <laughs> Hadrian for a while. Okay. Uh, how, what, have you, what have you been up to, Mr. Skullhead? Oh, man. Uh, Wednesday we had our Cinco de Junio party. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? It was cold and rainy. Stopped raining long enough to do the pinatas. That was cool. Uh, you know what? Nobody can make for shit anymore. Apparently, is a pinata. Oh yeah. I was. I kept thinking longingly of the one that Roy made that took hours and huge strong men wailing on it to beat. He was like, we ha- we hung the kids pinata up, and it's the like traditional donkey shaped one, and we hung it by the the little t- tag thing was in the thing's head, so we hung it up. The first kid to step up is was the oldest kid at the party. He's like 13. So we said, all right, just be gentle so the little kid's going to have a shot. And he goes, okay. And he, he gave it, I don't know if it was a gentle tap, but it, it was not that hard. And the thing's head just flew off and the body crashed to the ground. So then all the other kids got to come up and just kind of beat the dead horse while it was on the ground. Huh. Well, that sucks, because that, that's just grinding the candy into the dirt. Yeah. And the adult one did, too. The The, the adult pinata was star-shaped, and the first hit just pulled the zip tie that they had put in to hang it by out of the arm that it was stuck in. But that one, we just, like, we strung back up so that people could take another shot at it. Emily got a pinata for her birthday party, and uh, it was all right. It, it sustained a few decent hits from adults. When it was my turn, it the thing kept rotating to be... It was very narrow. It was like a shark, I think. And mm. it kept rotating to be right at me, and I kept whiffing right past it. Yeah. And then, then the guy after me was ninja-like. Did you use the, like, blindfold? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did, we did blindfold, and I, I rigged up a rope. But it held together okay, but it was just made of cardboard. You know, was, I mean, I th- yeah, ours, was, ours were too. I mean, the big problem was just the... Not calculating the weight of it being full when they figured out how to hang it. Mm. That just got a little ridiculous. Well, I mean, they're made for Mexicans, <laughs> and Mexicans can only afford very lightweight candy. Right. I mean, the adult one was full of little plastic bottles of tequila and little prepackaged shots. Oh, really? So that was pretty heavy. And it, it took a while for people to eat them because there there was very much a sense of. Uh, like that seemed like a funny idea, but we're all grown ups, and a lot of us have to work yeah. in the morning. And but after seven or eight drinks, you know, I feel you start like, looking to the shots. I feel like I have this memory of a party where somebody had put some joints in a pinata. Man, so there was booze and condoms and and the con- like the booze. It's like you know. Like, I get, I see where you were going with this, but like, this booze is just, it's all dirty now, and like, maybe, maybe it broke. Right. You know, like, it's all, or if only one of them broke, this is now all soaked with the other stuff. And, and condoms, it's like, well, okay. Also, you didn't buy like the good condoms to put into a pinata because you're not an idiot. But that, like, I already have, you know, I got plenty of condoms, right? And I got a brand I like. And also, these are all dirty and covered with the tequila from that one broken <laughs> bottle that we discussed earlier. And then, 
I mean, I guess maybe it's for those like, maybe there are cooler parties than I ever go to where, oh, I forgot to bring condoms with me to this party. So later on, when I'm fucking some girl I just met in the dirt underneath where the pinata was, I'll be glad that there's a condom here. And also watch that you don't cut your ass on that broken tequila bottle, honey. Yeah, I made sure that all of the bottles involved were plastic. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, Saturday we went to the Nickelodeon Universe at Mall of America. Because my uncle and his traveling companion, with or, with or without quotes, I'm not sure. Uh, they shared a bed. I don't know what else they were sharing. Is your uncle house. gay? Yeah, he is. Okay. I just didn't know if uh, the dude traveling with him was a traveling companion or a traveling companion. Was his traveling companion nine years old and the child of his first marriage? No, his traveling companion was a guy who, as a grown-ass man, is is a roller coaster enthusiast. And like a carnival ride enthusiast to the point where he would tell us what the trade names of all of the rides were and how long they had been there and... So we went to the, the the little amusement park in Mall of America because apparently there was one ride there that you can't ride anywhere else. <clears throat> huh. There's just one of them left. I, you know, given given some of the things that I have, given some of the things that I believe about beer and some things that I've done about beer, I can't I can't begrudge that guy his enthusiasm for for that kind of thing. Sure, he reminded me of. A lot of people I've met who are very enthusiastic about something and will tell you all about it, whether you want to know or not. Yeah, I guess that's one thing. I don't. Completely I don't. A cool guy. But. I don't tell people about beer if they're obviously not interested, mm-hmm. or or really at all. I don't tend to talk about beer a lot. Right. Yeah. Talking about beer is like uh, Dan- yeah, dancing about dancing architecture. About. I I, uh, I had a bunch of beer this weekend. I guess. Okay, would you like to talk about it? Sure. Now we went to um, on one of the one of the days of the weekend. We went to there's a there's a brewing company that has opened here in town that's pretty good, um, and we we availed ourselves of the ability to go down there and get a pizza from one of the adjacent places and take it in there and eat it while you drink some beers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was it, on the second Friday of every month, uh, downtown Mesa becomes this weird sort of like street fair for motorcycle enthusiasts, huh. I guess. And for a while they were also doing like an art walk thing. And I don't know if there was some incompatibility there or if the art walk thing just didn't take off, but the motorcycle stuff is still going on. So that's like the only time during the month where places are actually full and they're just, they're just full of like, they're not like dad motorcycle dudes and they're also not like beat you with a chain motorcycle dudes they're like somewhere in the middle uh-huh. of those two things and uh yeah there's just like a like a cover. what level of grizzled are we talking yeah pretty great like fat guys wearing bandanas but probably not actual criminals uh-huh. you know mm. probably a guy who doesn't dress like that every day would you say i don't know I mean, a lot of them. A lot of them have real weathered women in tow, um, <laughs> which that is to me the hallmark of somebody who that is sort of a lifestyle for them. Sure, you know, it's like with, like they don't allow their woman to go inside. You just got to sit there on the back of the bike. <laughs> um, 
or you know we sleep we just live in our motorcycle unless you can read his t-shirt in which case the bitch has fallen off mm-hmm. yeah uh but there there's this cover there's this cover band the at one point the bass player in the cover band who was the only he he looked maybe 15 or 20 years younger than all of the rest of the members of the band and he was i i looked over at one point during a song and he was playing bass along with the song while he's watching one of the televisions that was playing at the bar and then just yawned bigger than bigger than jesus <laughs> and i thought that was that was pretty good that's that bass player is right where I'm at vis-a-vis the music this band is playing. Um, you know, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't like, like, I just don't, I don't need to go into a bar and have like Eric Clapton covers being played real loud. Yeah. You know, there weren't enough people in there to, to eat up the volume. It just made it so you couldn't have a conversation. Mm. And it's like, part of me wants the place to be busy. You know, which it kind of was, but part of me wanted the place to shut the fuck up. It's rough with a cover band because it puts you in a, well, it puts me in an awkward frame of mind. Because, <clears throat> like, they'll launch into a song that, like, a song from the seventies that I've liked since I was a kid, and you know, I'm kind of bopping along to the song, like, yeah, I like this song, like, ah, I'm being pandered to. And this is incredibly lame, and it's incredibly lame of me to like it, but I still kind of like it anyway. Hmm. This is like watching somebody else do karaoke and you never get a turn, kind of. Yeah. I don't know, it's just that feeling of being pandered to, it's like, it's the same thing when Spock shouts Khan in the new Star Trek movie, or when, like, a booth at Comic-Con has the, like, half-naked hired hoe. Like, eh. Yeah. I kind of like this, but at the same time, I really hate being like somebody going, this should appeal to your demographic. Here you go. Right. I, to me, cover bands are awkward and, and like, kind of like, I went to, I went to meet Emily for dinner at this, at this restaurant downtown Mesa that we go to sometimes. That's like, it's like a pretty good restaurant. They've got like a reasonable beer selection. They're, They're more of a wine place than a beer place but there's just never anybody in there and i just every time i show up it's i'm like i'm like ben affleck in in uh that matt damon movie daredevil yeah i'm like matt damon and ben affleck i'm like i'm like ben affleck in uh dazed and confused every time i show up there i just want to beat some junior high kid with a battle uh no i'm just i'm expecting it to be closed you know and yeah and and it, and I just it sucks. But I went in there and I'm like, like I was I was meeting her for dinner, and I got I was like, I told her seven thirty because I wanted to get a bunch more work done, and it was like six thirty, and I had gotten a shitload accomplished, and I was like, if I if I try to do any more, I'm just gonna be staring at the screen. Like I'm I am I I know that I am out of juice. I know this about myself, so I'm just gonna go there early, and I'm gonna have a beer. While I wait for her to wait for her to get there, and I showed up and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go sit at the bar because I don't want to like take up a table and make somebody have to serve me. But there's a guy playing the piano, but it's like an electric piano, and huh. he's just doing cover songs and singing, and he's not bad. He's better at doing that than I would be. But like, 
I always get, and this sort of happened to me at the at the at the bar with the biker band too. I, I feel this obligation as the audience of live music to like acknowledge the music, but when like like I owe like I owe a live performer some attention, right? That like my part of this contract, my part of the social contract is that I will be an attentive and enthusiastic audience to whatever is being presented to me. But when I didn't choose it and it's not very good, like I this I think that this just makes me an asshole. I won't clap if I don't like something because I want my applause to mean something right. when I do do it, but I'm the only one who fucking cares about that, so I think it just makes me an asshole to not clap. It's not like I make a point of it. It's not like I boo instead of right. clapping, but it's just like, oh, God. Like, are, you could settle. Their society has a polite clap. Yeah, I guess. But, yeah, it, it's kind of the... What was my thought when you were saying that? It's kind of the same as saying, you know, when I talk to somebody, I don't say, how are you? Unless I'm actually interested in hearing how they are. Yeah. Which I've kind of gotten to that. I've noticed how the like, hey, how are you? When you're just randomly like when you're interacting with strangers is just. It never stops being awkward for me. So I'll just be like, hey, how are you? And I'll go cool let's do this transaction that we're here to do you know like mm-hmm. you suck my dick i'll give you the fish and let's go <laughs> right <laughs> yeah i i feel like i feel like being in a cover band I, you know this is gonna make me sound like your asshole friend who was like you're a good writer you shouldn't be wasting your time on this bullshit video game stuff like which, because that was, and it, because basically I'm saying the same thing. Hey, you have talent. How dare you use it on this paid gig that you're doing? Right. Like, hey, but, you guys are a really good band. You should write some songs instead of playing covers of video game music. Well, sh- all right, fine. That fair enough. In many ways, the mini bosses are a cover band. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they're a cover band. Like, you know, the, it, the like, sure, acknowledged. Um, I I would argue that there are slight differences in the in that they are not playing things that a band played, right? Like the uh, that's true. There is transposition involved. The only way to hear that music live is if it is being covered. Yeah, I can't really. I can't, it's not. Re- it's not really defensible. It's covers that I like. Right. Sure. But songs. No, that it is I, true that there's no like. It's not like there's a guy trying to sing like Mick Jagger because the song was made famous by the Rolling Stones. It's guys taking something from a different art form entirely, almost, and translating it. Yeah, and instrumental. And I think it's that's like, instrumental is less likely to just be like an abortion of a right. cover, too, right? And, and I mean. You know, because I don't, like, walk into a wedding and look at the string quartet that's playing some Tchaikovsky and think, oh, what the fuck? Write your own songs, you dipshits. But nah. if it's like the if it's just, like, the four-piece rock and roll ensemble that's the fucking wedding band, I'm like, you know what? This band... 
this band is here because there needed to be somebody felt it was important that there be a band, but that was as far as they felt about it. Right. You know, and that's just that's why I've just like I just it makes me I can imagine how unhappy I would be if that was my life and it makes me just not want to look them in the eye. And yeah. that probably is also just a huge huge dick move on my part. Yeah. I don't know. I think in this day and age when everybody has 3000 songs in their pocket provided they use the software that comes with their phone that having a wedding band is a really strange thing to do. Is it? Yeah. I mean, like, every wedding that I've been to, except mine, where we had a band that was a kind of a deliberate choice, you know, was, has just been somebody hooking their iPod into some speakers and into the PA system and playing a playlist. Mm -hmm. Or just putting it on Pandora so that you say, hey, what song is this? And no one knows. Right. I, uh, boy, if you put, uh, if you put Pandora on and set it to Jonathan Colton, it will sure play a lot of dumb, dumb shit. Uh, a lot of stuff that it thinks is, well, probably that very much is in that demographic. Yeah, it's that kind of je ne sais quoi that, like, They Might Be Giants have, where almost every band that somebody has, or any software has recommended that I like, because I like They Might Be Giants, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, and it's partly like, no, you don't understand that, like, the difference between a Jonathan Colton and a Da Vinci's Notebook is that one of them, the song is, like, literally about farts, Uh right? Like, they're both offbeat, but come on, (laughs) you know? Ah, God. Let's form an acapella band and not sing about farts and dicks. Aren't there a few? I don't think Moxie Fruvis is big into the farts and dicks. Aren't they? Well, let's, okay, let's form an acapella band and not be Irish inspired. <laughs> let's form an acapella band and, nah, let's not form an acapella band. Oh, come on. You don't want to form an acapella band with me? That's it, another thing that I really like that I feel weird for liking. Is the, like... Acapella, the, co- acapella yeah, covers acapella of songs. Acapella covers. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I also very much like that, and I, you know that is transformative in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wish I was a better singer. I would make stuff like that. Yeah, I think I would have enjoyed being in an acapella group in college. There just wasn't one at NAU. Yeah, to make one. Yeah, See? I should have. I should have formed a glee club. Could have been your destiny. No, it doesn't have to be a glee club. Don't call anything that. Jesus. Nah. But it's true that like singing a cappella together like that is probably one of the hardest things to do. That the most derided for how hard it is to do. Yeah, because that it really is just this idea that. It's just this wonky thing that virgins do when they get tired of reading their comic books. And it's, God, it is so hard to do. And that's why I think it's so cool when it's done right. Yeah. I, you know, I like a barbershop quartet. Yeah. And that's yeah. something you never see. Let's form Tell a barbershop more. quartet, just the two of us. Yeah. 
What are barbershop both, duets are less impressive? We're both like tenors. I'm a baritone. You are. You're probably a baritone too. You think I? You, am I? Yeah. You're, I'm, Is it when we when we sing along to songs that have a like a high pitched male vocal or a female vocal, we both sing down the octave. Mm-hmm. Down one octave, down two octaves. Yeah. I every time I listen to uh, ow. Every time I listen to Johnny Cash, I sing an octave below him. Hmm. Yeah. I have to... There are a lot of songs where I have to switch octaves if I'm actually going to sing along, like midway mm-hmm. through a progression, and then I'm like, yep, never going to sing that out loud again. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. <sighs> It used to be fun. I used to drive along in my car, singing along with the stuff that I was listening to. And I used to really enjoy that. And now I'm just like, eh. You know why they're singing? So I don't have to. Yeah. I thought that now you drive around listening to podcasts and you don't want to sing along to the podcast because that would be weird. Well, sometimes I talk along to the podcast if it's one that I've heard a million times. <laughs> right? What if there were like a podcast cover band? Oh, hmm. They just did acapella covers, and they did instrumental covers of podcasts. It's like some Steve Reich shit, where... We call this tune The Nerdist, February 2nd, with special guest Jenna Louise Coleman. Who's Jenna Louise Coleman? Oh, she's the new companion on Doctor Who. Hmm. A companion companion is a prostitute in that that mythos, right? I'm not sure if it's a companion or a companion. (laughs) Uh, so how does that work in that fiction? Has the Doctor always had a companion? Yeah, because it started back in the early days. It was supposed to be more of an educational show. So the Doctor had like a couple of late teens, early 20s people that he would take to, you know, like the ancient Aztec Empire and like, see kids, here's the Aztecs. Oh shit, they're trying to kill us, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And uh, it seems like ever since then, he's... Like, in the current mythos, the idea is he's... He's powerful enough and old enough and long-lived enough that he needs somebody with him to keep him in touch with his, like, human side. So he doesn't just go batshit and start, like, ethnic cleansing the universe Are, or something. Is the Doctor human? No. He's Gallifreyan. Which is, like, a from a different planet? Yeah, he's an immortal Time Lord from the planet Gallifrey. And is he the same guy no matter what actor? Yeah. Okay. When he takes... When he takes enough damage that he can't just kind of sit down and repair himself, he regenerates, which is how they did the handoff from one actor to the next. So you have, like, one guy doubling over white light coming out of his body and then suddenly it's different guy okay but but he has all the memories of of the other dude you know it's interesting conceptually that that show can maintain a following for as long as it has in spite of regularly changing its entire cast uh-huh. and the entire its entire reason for being too like it was started as the educational thing. For a while, it was more Twilight Zone-ish. For a while, it was just kind of straight gothic horror, where it, 
you know, monsters and goblins and shit. And now it's this kind of big, like a big idea, grand philosophical scientific statement thing. Opera. Not really an opera. Kind of a space opera. But like one week it can be out in space in the year three million and the next week it could be in ancient Rome and then the next week it could be in Victorian England. Right, depending so, on what else they're filming in the nearby studios. Right. It is cool. I wish you would like watch it and So and when it, when they so. replace the main actor, do all of the other actors get replaced also or is there some overlap so that you don't like they do it gradually so you don't really notice? There is some overlap from what I've seen. Like the first of the modern doctors is gone after a season and his companion hangs on for two more seasons with the new guy. And then they <clears throat> they change the cast completely when they get rid of her and then he does two more seasons with a different supporting cast. I really so. wish they had done that with Buffy like if Kendra had just taken over. <laughs> That's my favorite shirt. It's me only shirt. You know, she is responsible for me watching, like, starting to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer two years later than I originally would have. <laughs> yep. Because the it's... first episode I saw was hers, and it's like, you were, oh, you this were... show is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> I could... And I made fun of it for two more years. I could really use 100% less Jamaican leprechaun in the show. <laughs> That is a hard accent to do, and yet it's one that <laughs> that people just attempt on the fly. It, it turns it turns Irish so easy. Mary Poppins. Uh, man, did you did you see the uh, those those weird heat maps from that dialect survey that were going around again? I didn't see those. I saw the birthday heat map. What's the? And I learned. That I am as common as dirt. Oh, yeah? That has, like, a grid of all of the days of the year. Oh. Yeah. Now I kind of want to look at that. Where'd you find that? Facebook. I don't know why I had to say it like that. Uh, Yeah, I'll find it for you. Infographic shows number of babies born on every day of the year. Oh, I see it. It's it's red, it looks like. Uh, But it's very small. The one I saw was, like, shades of brown. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe. It's- Isn't it cute how I was like, I'll find that for you <laughs> by using Google that you obviously, you know. Yeah, although I'm seeing use. a little like thumbnail of it and not uh, not actually seeing it. Let's let me follow the link to Gawker. Oh, great. Uh, wow, I am one of the darkest. Me too. So why is that? Because a lot of people fuck in the winter because you're inside all day. Yeah. Which you would think now wouldn't be a thing. That it would be kind of more even now that we have ways to control temperature and people living in climates that are different. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... Who knows? Although, I don't know. I don't know if you if we do more fucking in the summer here because we're inside all day or if it's like, just look outside. Oh, God, it looks hot out there. Let's not <laughs> fuck. We could never get the condo cool enough to want to touch each other, really. You and I. I mean, my wife and I. So it was always like, all right, we'll, we'll take like we'll take a cold shower, and then we'll be able to tolerate each other's skin on each other for long enough to have a little bit of of uh, husband and wife time intercourse. 
intercourse. Do your marital duty. Relations. Ah, uh, what what did you, did you do anything this weekend? What did we do? Well, there was the riding the roller coaster thing. Man, they had a really cool ride at the Nickelodeon Universe. That was Avatar: The Last Airbender themed. But uh, I'm sure that uh, the companion could have told me the manufacturer's name for it, but I did not ask him, and he did not tell me. <laughs> but uh, it was like a so the this park is indoors. It's a like four stories tall because it's at the bottom of a four story building that's open, and so like a four story tall letter U shape, and the ride thing that you get on kind of looks like a giant skateboard deck like 10 feet long 20 feet long 15 feet long skateboard deck and on that are two sets of circular seats like little round things with seats around them so you get strapped in this thing it starts going it goes up one side of the u and everybody that's on the top spins around on their little spool and then it goes up the other side of the U and everybody spins around on their little spool that, that are on the top. And it is just so freaking fun. Like you're flipping end over end? No, you're spinning horizontally. You're spinning relative. like a like a top or is is down always down yeah. for you? Yeah, you're spinning like a top. So you're sideways and the, but the whole thing is spinning so that your feet are always facing the same direction. Which is always the ground? Yeah. Okay. It was pretty excellent. Hmm. I think I'm mm. I think I'm done with that part of my life. Like I don't like getting beat around by stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know? And and I don't I don't like hate a roller coaster. I'm always scared getting on a roller coaster, but I'm always scared doing fucking anything. So uh-huh. you know, that's not like I get, you know, I get like I get physiologically like terrified of motion rides. Like, I, like all I'm gonna be in, I was just gonna sit in this fucking box that is basically fixed in place. You know, maybe it moves a couple feet, and I'm watching a movie. But it's like, oh fuck, I'm in space. We're going real fast, falling and shit. I'm it's terrified. It's awful because I feel like such an idiot being scared by that. But it's like, well, I mean, obviously they engineer these things to give people the impression of movement, and that's what my body is reacting to. Right. But, man, I have to start taking some of those beta blockers before I go on a, before I go on one of those. Before you leave your house. Yeah, before I go anywhere or do anything at all. You know, day to I mean, day to day life no longer uh, terrifies me to the point of little crescent moon shapes dug by my fingernails into my palms. I noticed that uh, as we progressed through our trips to Comic Con, there were fewer the, like the the bottle of whiskey in the cubicle got less and less empty. Yeah, that was an incredibly awkward way to say that. Mm-hmm. I noticed you were drinking le- less whiskey each year. Yeah, I mean, so I figured that was going better. But a lot of it, I just started not spending nearly as much time on the floor. Right. You know, I mean, I did eventually get used to like just in time for our star to fade and us not to have any fans anymore. I finally have gotten used to talking to fans. That's good. So that's pretty good. Um, have you figured out how to explain to a stranger what you do? No, still no. Mm. 
I had a bunch of conversation. I talked to a bunch of people at GDC about this, and they're like, "What? Come on, man, just tell them." I'm like, okay, they, they, and there is invariably some awkward ass question with no real answer. Like they ask a question, they're like, "All right, well, I guess I have to figure out how to make up an answer that will make some kind of sense to this person that I can't relate to at all." Yeah. Oh, did you work on the new Madden game? No. That's the answer to that, I guess. That's the way to explain that. I think I end up saying, like, I work for a game. I don't say, like, I work for a video game company and then let them follow up. I think I always just say, I work for this game called Kingdom of Loathing that has a, like, small but dedicated following, and I'd be surprised if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And then they can go... Oh, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure my buddy used to play that to make me feel better, which they don't need to. Mm-hmm. But that's all right. And, and that's the end of that transaction. So Yeah. It's not bad. It's always like somebody's mom or something, you know? Uh-huh. I, I see. Yeah, I have a hard time explaining my job to, like, my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my grandpa probably still thinks that I fix computers because that's the only... You know, it's like, well, okay, so a computer's like a tractor. <laughs> what do you do? Well, right. you fix them. Okay. okay. I'm in charge of driving a tractor in front of people, and they watch and they pay money because mm-hmm. they like my tractor driving. My tricks. Yeah. Ah, it's pretty good. Um, I'm trying to think if I did anything interesting at all. I went to the I went out to the bar on Saturday night, and then I spent all day Sunday kind of sick. Which I th- yeah, what happened there? What did you put in your body? I don't know. I you know I I I thought that was like ah, I'm just hungover, and Emily pointed out that I only had four beers, so I, I couldn't have just had a debilitating day long hangover from four beers. But I just uh, I don't know, well, man. I would. I was just I was just chained to a toilet. It was like yeah. I'd been cursed. I was every like I had to, I was chained to a toilet, and every time I pooped, a bird would eat it and then feed it back to me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that Samuel L. Jackson had chained you to the toilet until you learned to give up your your drinking and whoring ways. Uh, no, is that what's that? Uh, it's Black Snake Moan. No, I have not seen that. Oh, you should see that. It was great. Is that got Christina Ricci in it? Yep. Okay. Um. No, I was going more of a Sisyphus. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, I, I was with you on that. Mm-hmm. I was with you all the way. <laughs> you had to roll a uh, ball of dung up a hill. Yeah, I never get... Uh, I, so, I've started to think... And I don't know why I believe this exactly, but, like, my impression is that food poisoning is not... Like, a doctor would never tell you that you had food poisoning... <laughs> Right, like food which poisoning is, weird, is like because they'll tell toxins. you you have irritable bowel syndrome, which is will they just a description? Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess that's if this shit happens to you all the time. I feel like a lot of times when people say they have food poisoning, it's just because they got sick in some way that gave them diarrhea and they ate something yesterday. Because you always <laughs> ate something yesterday. True, you know. So, you know. I said. Well, I mean, like a, a bacteria or a thing in a food. Yeah, I just, I just don't know how. I don't know how many cases of 
beer you have to drink before. I don't know how many cases of like just oh I had diarrhea all day are actually attributable to some specific thing that you ate. Right? I mean, I guess that like, you know, the problem with public health in third world countries is that there is not clean drinking water. You're drinking water with poop in it or whatever. But it's like if you go like I feel like every kid who drinks out of that river at that time is going to get the same kind of sick. Yeah. You know, and it's it never happened. Like whenever you get sick, you think, "Oh, what did I eat yesterday?" and you start comparing everything that you ate with everyone that you ate with, and mm-hmm. there's nothing that somebody doesn't have in common with you. So, yeah, I don't know. I I for whatever reason, I just believe that people saying that they got food poisoning from eating something specific is like a misattribution 99% of the time. But what if the food poisoning gave them a migraine? I mean, that's and and what if they had the food poisoning because they have a peanut allergy and it turned <clears throat> into a migraine after they who are female had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Sure. You're just listing things that I don't. uh that I that I that I have that I've said in the past that I didn't believe in. I don't think I've ever said that I didn't believe in migraines. You, you kind of said you didn't understand them at least. No, I, I mean I, I think that they are. Like what you were asking, what makes them different than just having a headache? Yeah, and I mean I think and that it was hard to say. There is not a really well defined answer for that, right? I mean, I. <sighs> You know, migraines, migraines is something different. Irritable bowel syndrome, I've heard a lot of people describe a lot of the things that are just true of me as like, oh, yeah, this. they say that I have irritable bowel syndrome. And I, if like 30% of people have a thing, I think it sort of ceases to become a pathology and, and is just like, oh, this is just one of the ways in which being a human can kind of suck. My doctor diagnosed me with the human condition. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? It's just the things that doctors will say that are just descriptive of what's going on. It's like, hey, doctor, why is my skin all inflamed? Uh, well, it looks like you have a case of dermatitis. Right. Like, yes, that is the thing that I just told you. Now you tell me why. And they, they can't. They, they never can. Okay, so CDC, most cases of gastrointestinal symptoms, nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, and diarrhea are due to viral infections and not true cases of food poisoning. Diagnosis of true food poisoning is difficult because many organisms are found in different kinds of food and have different incubation periods. You know, so, oh, sorry, this is not CDC, this is California poison, this is CPC. But, like... It's PCP? So this leads me to this. This sort of supports my case that most of the time when people say they have food poisoning, they don't. Uh-huh. Right. That they just had diarrhea, which happens. And it probably right. wasn't because the restaurant that you ate at had something wrong with their food. Right. Right. Whereas if you go to Mexico and everybody gets diarrhea, it probably was some foodborne pathogen that you weren't used to. Or you're at one of those weird laxative parties. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't recommend them. El enema grande. <laughs> uh, ¿Cómo se dice enema en español? Enema. Enema. Enemigo. Wait, that's enemy. <laughs> La enema es mi enemigo. <laughs> the enema of my enema is my friend. 
No. What? No. What's going on in the world? Uh, are you excited oh, about all of the E3 news? <laughs> I uh, struggle to have an opinion. Like, I just don't see any reason for a new console at all yet. It seems like the ones that they have are doing pretty okay. And there's not enough of a like leap forward to justify a new generation. Yeah. But at least there are more like motion control and voice control things they can put in. Yeah. And less control over the shit that you buy. I mean, if like if all I did was play console games and I cared about graphics, I would probably feel like it was time for a new console just because the current generation of consoles is like 10 years old. Yeah. You know. And they have to, when they make a game for it, they have to make a game for the version of it from 10 years ago that, like, maybe it doesn't have a hard drive. You know, like, mm. it doesn't have very much RAM or whatever. Like, I, I'm sure that there are... The developers for these consoles are excited about a new console generation with better tech. But... Yeah. Yeah, I mean... what do you, What's your take on the on the people being really upset about the Xbox One requiring your games to check in on the internet to prove that they're really yours. I shrug. <clears throat> like, that's... I don't understand being angry about it. Like, I think that's kind of a shitty thing to do. But I'm not so much angry about that as, like, if that's a deal breaker, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah. I mean, like, the people who are saying, well, I'm in the military, and I don't have access to the internet all the time, or I live in the backwoods, and I just want to play single-player RPGs in between writing manifestos, and why do I have to do this? Like, no, you don't. Yeah. Like, you just cannot you buy it. Like, you can, you can play all of the video games that have ever been made up until they started doing this, right? I mean, and... And you're also mad that they're not going to let you play Xbox 360 games on it, so just keep playing your xbox 360 <laughs> yeah i mean this is what i think about when i get upset that because i'm not willing to deal with the hassle of itunes on my pc that i can't like take a cd that i have and rip it and put it on my phone but then i think i have like a hundred other things in my house that i could listen to it on mm -hmm. you know i i don't know for a fact but i'm almost certain that I could just burn those MP3s to a CD and then my car stereo will play them. Right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I just, it's like, yeah. It sucks that Apple operates in such a way that they just won't let me freely put stuff on the phone. But... Is there no way to put an iPhone on, like, disk mode when it's plugged in? No, not without jailbreaking it, I don't think. People keep telling me different things that I could do. Like, put the put your MP3s in Dropbox and then use the Dropbox app on the phone and then you can play the songs. And it's like, yeah, I could I could do that, but I would like for them to be in the music library on the phone. Mm -hmm. You know? And I could do it, it's just that it would work and I would get used to it and then it would stop working when I get a new phone or when I have to use a different computer. Like, if I'm somewhere else... You know, it probably wouldn't even be that big of a deal now. I was resistant to it for a long time because I, because I had a hard drive crash, I could not put
put anything new on the phone without deleting everything that was already on the phone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just them. That is just them stopping me from buying MP3s and then copying them off of my phone onto somebody else's phone, which, you know, whatever. I can still listen to my CDs. You know, I know I, I don't get pissed off that, like, I'm only buying licenses for software now because right. I know that that's never going to really be a problem. Right. Because if it if it becomes impossible for me to play the copy of a game that I bought in the future, I'll probably be able to find a trivially accessible version of it that is playable and I won't feel bad about it at all because I bought it. Yeah. You know? Like I will I'll buy The Legend of Zelda on the Game Boy for a dollar because I can then play it on the Game Boy, right? But I already own it. Like, I have a cartridge of The Legend of Zelda, so I don't feel like there would be anything wrong with me pirating it. So they don't have any responsibility to make it available to me. Hmm. You know? I mean, they, they don't have any responsibility to do anything. And the, what gets me about the Xbox thing is, like, like, why is it not okay for a company to make a product that only works when it's on the internet? Well, I can't use it if I'm not on the internet. Well, I mean, you can't use it if you don't have a television. You can't use it if you don't have thumbs, right? Like the- I think it's because all of the previous generations of video game consoles have managed that trick just fine. Right. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that's entirely what the outrage is. Is we know that you can be a video game console and not be connected to the internet. Sure. And now you're saying that this one has to be. Like, to me... I think all of this shit, including having the connect with the microphone and camera always on and can detect your heartbeat, so they claim, is it's reason enough for me to not get one, but it also doesn't inspire me to, like, pour rage out onto the internet. It's like, oh, it's, I mean, nothing. They're making this thing. Nothing really and, does that except when your friends become Republicans. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Start to... Uh, well, if they start buying iPads a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. or guns now. Okay. So, uh, but it, yeah, like, they're making this product that has a whole bunch of new features that make it not a product that I want, so that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you were, like, a super, super enthusiastic Call of Duty 3 player, and you really just fucking gotta play Call of Duty 4... And yet there are things that make it so you don't want to buy the thing that you have to buy in order to play Call of Duty 4, that that would be annoying. When you saw, like, Reddit going crazy about it was just, like, hurling shit at the thing until today when they announced the Star Wars Battlefront thing. Yeah. And then it all of the chatter went to, God, I'm never going to buy this stupid thing, too. Oh my god, I have to buy it. Yeah, and then a bunch of people making fun of the people for doing that, you know, posting the posting all of the people in the boycott Modern Warfare Steam group currently playing Modern Warfare. Right. Like Yeah, I What what I like is them the the people complaining, the people who are and sorry Casey Wiederman, but it is only fucking paranoid lunatics who are freaked out about that fucking Kinect camera. Like, eh. you're, you carry eh. around a tracker in your pocket everywhere you go. Yeah. I mean, that kind of sucks too, right? No, no, it doesn't because nobody fucking cares. 
Nobody fucking cares. Nothing bad is ever going to happen to anyone as a result of that. Mm. Mm. I, you know, mm. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. If, maybe. if they're not doing anything wrong, they have no reason to be paranoid. Well. Oh, man. Do you, I mean do you, do you do you have an unlisted phone number? Because I mean, well, there's there's people the who would we, freak we, out we, about that, you know. Who lists a phone number anymore? If you have a landline, I, they just do it without asking guess, you. Yeah, That's, and but they publish your fucking they publish your address. I mean, it's yeah, they do. <clears throat> but the thing is, we have a. In the same week, you get the like. There are some backdoor deals with between the government and Microsoft, the government and Google, sure. to cache information. And then here is a thing that is always listening and always watching, just sitting there in your room, like, eh. And it's not that I'm doing anything wrong that I don't want the government to know about, and the government doesn't give a shit about me. But if they start to decide that some of the things I'm doing are wrong and do are cause for me to be like a person of interest, then I'm giving them a golden opportunity. Right, but I, I but I, my argument is that if you were the kind of person who was going to do anything that would cause the government to be angry at you, you would probably think of that and you would stop using a cell phone and you would stop... You know, you would you would put a piece of electrical tape over the camera of your connect while you were making bombs in your living room. See, so you're you're reaching too broad though. That like having three or four people over and you're talking about how you met these guys who are really into saving the planet could be enough to get you tracked. You know, like this is the problem with the argument that if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have to worry about it because the definition of what's wrong can change. Sure. And when it changes, the access that you've granted doesn't change. Sure, but do, do you... I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that we have any meaningful control over the access that we grant, right? Without... Mm. It, it is it is a question in my mind of acceptable risk and i am willing to i am willing to carry a cell phone with the understanding that if that if law enforcement really wanted to track me down that they just can because of this tracking device that i'm carrying around in my pocket and i'm willing to take that risk because i think that the odds of me doing something that caused me to become a target for law enforcement are acceptably low right and you know I like you know Casey's screed in the forums about like how safe would you say you know how safe would you feel saying that you're in favor of mixed race marriage on a cell phone and I, I sort of share Doglord 420's opinion which was 100% safe because right. I feel 100% safe I feel 100% safe that I can express all of my opinions about everything, and if the president were listening, nothing bad would happen. Hmm. And, that, like... 
Yeah, I don't know. You know, they will point to these folk heroes like the Tor guys or or Julian Assange or whatever, and like, I don't really know how to respond to that. <laughs> like, hmm. because if I were the government, I would be paying attention to those guys. You know, and and so it's hard for me to say, like, no, they shouldn't. The government shouldn't hassle these people who are clearly just trying to fuck shit up. No matter how right they think they are. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like it's pretty clear. Like, it became pretty clear when they made up some shit about what happened on the plane that they obviously fucking shot down on September 11th, that they had recordings of whatever cell phone calls that they wanted, but nobody fucking cared. Hmm. So how is any of this surprising? You know? (laughs) I don't know. And okay, so am I a crazy paranoid conspiracy theorist because I think they shot that fucking plane down? Hmm. I'd always heard that it was forced to... Like, it, it, they made a landing, but didn't really pull it off because the pilots were dead. So, that made enough sense to me. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a just-so story. Oh, yeah, there was a rugby team on the plane, and here's these calls of them saying, Yeah, we're gonna get them. Let's roll. And then they, they got them. It depends on, okay. you know, it depends on whether, which movie is right, right? Like, the instant, like, oh, the pilot farted, and so now the plane had fell apart in midair and is crashing. Or, no, there's people on the ground that can, that could, as long as there's, like, at least one cat in the cockpit, somebody can talk the plane down. You know, which one of those fiction? which one of those fictions do you believe? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I've done nothing but sit and go, huh. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Huh. Okay. Huh. I, I don't know. I, I think our versions of reality have divulged enough, that, have diverged enough. Yeah. That it's hard to, hard to jump in there. But, uh, yeah. It's weird. Like, you are someone who is very skeptical and, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody who's very, very skeptical, but not concerned about things that one would think a skeptic would be concerned with. In this particular case, in this particular case, I am skeptical of the story that there were some rugby dude heroes on this plane that crashed in two different places when it crashed. Finally, that that somehow took care of that. That somehow took care of the problem and stopped it from hitting the White House. Like, four planes got hijacked. Three of them hit their targets. The fourth one... Oh, whoa. Somehow it didn't make it. And, like, I want... Well, the, the first two weren't planes at all. They were holograms to cover up the missiles that the government was firing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, no, they said that, that there were bombs in the base that caused the actual collapses. Yeah. I mean, when you're when you start going, 
the narrative that's been expressed and confirmed doesn't ring true for me, how far do you keep going? Sure, sure. They they asked a guy. They they pretty much said to a guy at a press conference, "Hey, is this story about the rugby team? Did this really happen, or is this just bullshit?" And the guy's response was, "America needs heroes right now." Like, okay, I what I'm saying is, if there were four planes hijacked, and three of them crashed into and killed thousands of people. I would want the government to have shot down the fourth one if they had a ch- oh, sure. if they had a chance, and I'm pretty sure that they did. Hmm. I mean, I'm okay with they got the the pilots were dead. The some dudes managed to overpower the terrorists, but then the plane was kind of fucked. It ex- and it exploded in midair. Yeah, so I'm the idiot. Okay. No, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I'm just telling you that's my theory. And that doesn't, uh-huh. that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. But, I, and I, but, but this, was a, this was a case but of, it, this was a thing that the government is capable of, and that's fine, right? Yeah, so given that that doesn't bother you, having a camera in your house is no big deal. I mean, deal. I'm not, like, I already have a GPS tracker in my pocket that I carry with me. <laughs> Right, and I don't. I don't think. Well, I, like I already have a camera in my house. That's my laptop. Yeah, no, camera. me too. There's one point. There is a camera pointed at me right now inside a device that's always connected to the mm. internet, right? And it could totally be recording shit and sending it to the government. I don't care. I don't care enough I mean, to cover it up. I don't because they don't. Th- there is nothing that is ever going to happen in this room that anybody gives a shit about. For me, it's still just a like another knock on something that already had three strikes for the xbox you mean so yeah to say like this is not a thing that i want and having that bit of it makes me want it even less yeah so you know i don't want it either maybe someday there will be a game that i can only play on it that i really want to play the thing that i doubt it the thing about having the patent for the camera sensing how many people are in the room when you're gonna like play a movie on the thing so that you can purchase additional licenses if you need to yeah is like uh, because for a while my xbox was the middle of my entertainment center it was the dvd player and had the connectivity for netflix and amazon and all that shit and if i made it made this new one the centerpiece of my room and then found out if there are four people sitting on the couch you can't watch a movie until one of them leaves or you pay more money that would kind of piss me off I, and i and i think that that and you would think they couldn't possibly do that because that would piss too many people yeah off, no that is that is what i they would do it and it would piss people off for a while and then they would get over it and then they would have you know, like the the arc of history tends toward having less control over our media well until sure uh, well not okay but before you finish that sentence i was gonna say it gets more and more restrictive until there's a bloody revolution and then and then you start over with sort of burnt buildings and yeah you shouldn't say that you don't know who's right it was, oh, wait you know who's listening yeah, yeah it's everybody man yeah that's the thing man given given the crazy shit that i have said and recorded that is still available on the internet if you just go to the place where I tell people to go to listen to the crazy shit that I say. Man. Mm. 
like but paranoia about privacy presupposes that anybody gives a shit about you and nobody does I mean, a dude on reddit posted a pretty compelling story like a dude that you would probably say is lying <laughs> posted a pretty compelling story about living in one of the arab spring countries and <clears throat> having that like overheard conversation combined with like <clears throat> him being at a protest that turned out to be a bigger one than they thought it was going to be made him into like an enemy of the state in a in like a combination of innocuous things but because he was being constantly surveilled managed to turn him into an enemy of the state sure but i think that the tyranny that we're likely to encounter here is going to be the kind of tyranny that everybody allows to have happen through just laziness and consumer or because they give us cool shit right i mean yeah and and then and that's like they're better off with us continuing to have the freedom to work jobs and make money so that we can funnel all of our money into them right Mm. i mean it it's not like this is the end result of the fucking capitalist utopia that the libertarians want Right, except that there are some minor protections in place to stop to stop I think shit like that from really being able to go down like you know you're probably in violation of a bunch of license agreements but none of those have ever actually had to hold up in court and they probably won't and so that's probably never going to get to the point where it's pushed that far you know like it's probably totally against the law not against the law. There's the thing. It's probably totally against Pandora's terms of use for them to hook Pandora up to the sound system at the coffee shop. Oh, I'll bet they're buying a license for that. You think? <clears throat> yeah, because I, I will also bet that there are people checking up on that. I mean, it's just a, it's just a stand, right? It's not like there are yeah, customers. Like a restaurant has in. to license music if they're going to. Yeah, play if they're going to be playing it, but play if they're music. playing it for people who are sitting there, which they're not, right? This is just music that's playing inside this booth where these people are working and there's a drive-through. And that's probably and what I'm saying is that's probably if they if they didn't pay for a license for that, which seems to me that seems like it would be a really foolish use of money for a coffee stand. Right? Yeah. Just say, "No, don't don't listen to music in here unless it's the radio." <laughs> or whatever. That's probably against Pandora's terms of service, but nobody's ever going to get in trouble for that. Mm. And that's kind of how I feel is there's multiple people in a room watching a movie thing. Like, they're going to treat it like you do, which if the camera detects that there are 200 people watching a movie, maybe they're going to investigate that this isn't, you know, this isn't like the Royale just having their movie night with fucking unlicensed DVDs on a projector. Right, because that's a thing that they probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah, but at that <clears throat> at that point though, it's automated, so it's not like they need to review the footage and see, and then go act upon it. It's but just, I'm saying they're only gonna they're, there are five people in this room. The software is has been programmed to shut off if there are more than four people in the room. Seems to be the way that they were headed. With yeah. It. I mean, a, and it's a thing that a like patent- that seems absolutely outrageous right now. But the thought of like me owning a movie that I could only play through a certain 
player and couldn't loan to somebody seemed crazy ten years ago. Right. And uh, do do you? Is that a thing that you do now? Well, yeah, like, I, I have a couple of movies that I bought from Amazon. Like, the download movies from Amazon. Mm. And a couple from Voodoo. And they're not... Because, yeah. Those aren't DRM-free? Oh, no. Huh. No, no. That's I'm the surprised, thing. Like I'm the, surprised that you did that. You can, like, you can still download MP3s from them, DRM-free. And those you can do whatever you want with, but... Yeah, I mean, there were movies that were like $4 to rent on Amazon streaming versus $10 to buy them. And I thought, well, if I buy them, then I always have them anywhere I can log into my Amazon account and there's internet. And then I can watch them wherever I want. And I don't really care if I have a disc of this thing, but I would probably watch it enough times to pay for it. And yeah. Yeah, I, or this is a movie I can't find anywhere else, and I can buy it from them for ten bucks, or not watch it's it. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to get too up in arms about anything like that when I consider that for the last ten years, every dime that you and I have made has been by selling nothing. You know, right. because what we're doing is we're selling, we're selling access to the infrastructure that we're paying for, and we're selling access to the service that we work really hard to provide. But, you know. If KOL shuts down, nobody has any rights to the stuff that they purchased because they never had any rights to it other than what we just sort of voluntarily gave them. And they trust us. They know that we're good for it as long as we're capable of being good for it. But, like, it's, it is hard for me to say that, like, no, no, this $10 that I spent on an album on iTunes entitles me in some way or should entitle me in some way to limitless use of the music that I bought because that's not how anything works. It used to though. That's the thing. Well, that's the same thing with the Xbox. Like we got used to fairly quickly the limitations of MP3 versus CD because of the other things that they allowed us to do that you can't do with a CD. Like take a hundred of them and I'm pack a cigarette size box. Sure. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not going to I'm not going to get into the piracy thing, right? But I a lot of it is just trying to make it more convenient to buy stuff than to steal it. And it's pretty fucking convenient to steal stuff. And if you if you have to make it convenient to buy, you, there's got to be something in it for you as the seller. Yeah. Right? Like if you can take steps that people will tolerate for you to prevent them from just limitlessly sharing the stuff with everybody else than you're going to. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that publishers and console manufacturers want to do away away with the sale of used games. And I don't I don't think that sure, there is a goddamn yeah. thing wrong with them doing that if they're capable of doing it. You know, so of course they're going to. I mean, it's a shitty thing if you're somebody who's used to trading in your used games for more credit and then buying more used games. Yeah, but I mean, that is that is such a shitty cycle anyway that only benefits GameStop, right? right? Because a used game is $5 cheaper than a new one. And like, every, when I go to buy a game and they're like, you want to buy a used copy for $5 less? I'm like, fuck no. I don't want to buy a used copy for $5 less. Like, I don't actually do that because the people at GameStop are usually really nice. 
But like in my head, fuck no is the answer to that. And you know, like I always I always felt like the times when I went and and traded in CDs, those were times those were moments of shame for me. This was like yeah, me too. I ugh, how has it come to this? How has it come to me having to do this? You know, and me not doing that anymore, me not buying used music exclusively had a lot more to do with the amount of self-respect I had than the amount of income that I had, you know? Yeah. And, and so I don't, there, there isn't anything. And you know, th this is where my, my ethics fall apart when we start talking about books because I like to use bookstores, right? That's, that's a thing that I, I was so steeped in the culture of used bookstores before it ever occurred to me to think about what was happening that it just it's not a thing it's not a thing that i evaluate now and you know it uh, makes me a hypocrite but like the idea that you have some sort of a right to resell something just because you bought it doesn't seem like a fundamental thing to me at all when the thing is imaginary like especially mm. when the thing is imaginary It's just a different model, right? <clears throat> like, we're used to buying a game, and you own that game, and if you want to get rid of that game, you can do that. And if somebody wants to give you 50 cents for it at a yard sale, they can. And that's different than you are buying a license to play the game. And if somebody else wants to play it, they need to be buying a license, too. Right, but the upshot of that is that... Often, over Christmas, you can get something on Steam that was 60 bucks a year ago for like a dollar fifty. Mm. you know? And the reason that they can do that is because they didn't print a disc and because they don't have to deal with a used market. You know, it's just, all right, well, all we're doing, all we're doing is giving you access to make a copy of these files that we've got and we have the legal right to do it. And so here you go. Right. And it just gets into such a weird gray. Like, how much does a used game on Steam sell for? Is it half of the lowest price it's ever been on sale for? Is it half of the price that it is now? Like, and and at a certain point, like, how? Like, this is a model that that PC games, like PC gamers, are kind of used to, right? Yeah, and everybody loves Steam, you know. They're, the 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 paranoid whack jobs are so have just been so happy playing their huge bounty of video games for so long on Steam that they've forgotten that they're super pissed off at Steam. Right. You know, Half Life Two because some people couldn't play it the morning it came out because it had to authenticate with Steam in order to work was like, oh, this is the end. This is the end of Valve. But like, no. <laughs> No, it turns out this was just them spinning up this infrastructure that was totally going to change PC gaming, inarguably for the better, for the next 10 years. You know, and... I don't know if the, like, having to connect to the servers to play a single-player game, though, is the awesome wave of the future. I think that is pro that is pretty much just a screw. Well, if you believe... If you believe Raph Koster single-player games are an anomalous bump in the history of the medium. Yeah. You know, which I, do, I don't. 
necessarily, but but what I do, you know, I like the idea of DLC for games because if there's a game that I really like, I want to be able to pay some more money for some more of that game. Sure. You know, and so and I like the idea that if I buy a game and there are bugs in it, that it's there's an infrastructure in place for them to patch the games. Right? And but should it be required yeah, though? I don't know. I mean, and then I like this is one of those check your know. privilege things. Like, I don't care because I'm like if I if there's ever a time when I don't have internet, it's because I'm dead. Or in San Francisco. Ah, sure. <laughs> now the you know the the place with the the least reliable internet is the fucking office of any place that mm. I've been. It's often not good enough to do very specific things that I want to do when we're you know just using some shared Wi-Fi in a vacation rental or something. But mm. yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I just I just need to check my privilege. It is funny. Arguing from a position of apathy. Yeah. Where it's like, I kind of think some of these things are shitty. I, I really don't care. Like, it was a bummer when I was telling Matt that I had just finished reading uh, John Dies at the End, and he asked if he could borrow it, and I said, oh, no, it's on the Kindle. Now, it's a slight bummer that made me kind of wish that I had bought it paperback, because it would have been the same price. Yeah. Which is still weird. Like, it's weird to me that... Now Amazon is doing a thing where with a lot of music you can buy the CD for the same price as you would buy the MP3 album and it includes a an immediate download of the MP3 album. Yeah. But when you're buying a DVD, you there's no such thing and you actually pay an extra 3 or 4 bucks for the special edition DVD with the digital copy. That comes when you get the DVD in the mail and you put in a code and you download your digital copy. I wonder... Incredibly different ways of media that used to be kind of similar in the way they were consumed. Yeah, I mean... It's just interesting. I I don't... You know, I think a lot of the... Some of that difference is probably because a a good quality video file is hundreds of times the size of an indistinguishable from CD quality audio, potentially. Oh, I I doubt it's that You don't think it's hundreds of times? No, I, I doubt that that's part of the consideration well, because that, like, Amazon could just as easily. So say, like, I really wanted to watch the last Twilight movie, say, and they have it available on instant for like five bucks to rent it, and they have the DVD with the digital copy for twelve bucks. There's no reason why when I buy the DVD they can't just start streaming me the copy they're already hosting streaming. Except I have to wait till I get the DVD and put in my code and and get the different proprietary formatted one. It's, it's just a, a rights thing and it's a weird yeah kind of thing. I mean I don't I I gotten into it with Kevin about this because he just constantly asserts that it's ridiculous that an ebook costs the same as as a physical book. I kind of believe that. Yeah, too. I mean to me, what I am paying for is the words, not the medium on which they're printed so if the words are worth that amount to me that's what I'm going to pay for it you know and like I don't no see I think like 
uh, like the intrinsic value of the words, sure, but when I buy a book on paper, I understand that what I'm part of what I'm paying for is getting the book onto the paper and getting the paper to the store. Whereas, like, none of those steps apply when you're pure digital. So a lot of that overhead goes away, so why... Yeah, that's true, but I mean, that's that's sort of... A lot of that work I don't care about. Like, <laughs> Right, but you, surely you would say that it, it is cheaper to Amazon to deliver you an ebook than to deliver you a physical yeah, book. Yeah, so... So why is it not cheaper to me? Well... <clears throat> because the actual cost of delivering the thing is kind of irrelevant to me. What I have is an experience that I want and an, an amount of money that I'm willing to pay for it. And if I can do that in a way, like, a retailer only has as much responsibility to pass the savings on to their customers as their customers demand from them. And in this particular case, like, I just don't care enough about like if I wanted to save money on this I could go buy a used copy but like I'm okay with a model where I pay the same amount for a book that cost them less to send to me so they get a little more money and the author gets a little more money and from reading about that it seems like the authors get significantly more money from the sales of a of a digital copy than they do from from a paper copy but it depends on the deal yeah. sure but, you know, I mean, talk, talking to Damien, it seemed like buying CDs from him was the least efficient way to put money into his pocket. Right. And so I wouldn't say of that. Well, why are you charging the same amount for your downloads as you are for your CDs? Like, I know how much it costs to print these things. I know how much it costs you to print these things. Like, why aren't you passing the savings on to me? And it's because he's got to eat, you know, and yeah. if it's worth 12 bucks to you to hear his new album, then it should be worth 12 bucks to you regardless of how much it cost him to send you. Yeah, but to me, Damien is in a different class of business than Amazon is. <clears throat> Amazon ain't starving, and they would not be starving even if they discounted all their ebooks by a couple yeah, bucks. Yeah, but you're buying... You, you don't buy them directly from him. I don't think you can... I don't think you can buy his CDs digitally directly from him. You buy them through Amazon, or you buy them through iTunes. Hmm. I don't know. I've always bought them from him at a show, or tried to buy them. And yeah, and he always just gives me, yeah, which but, is very right, awkward. But yeah, no. But I mean that. that yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to say that Amazon is like him. I'm. I'm just trying to say that like anybody that you buy an ebook from on Amazon is more akin to him than they are to, you know, Walmart. I just think that there would be an uproar if we charged as much for the like if we were charging six dollars for the pdf of the comic i think that would be kind of shitty and like part of the reason that i haven't bought a bunch of comics from other retailers uh, to read on my tablet is that they cost as much as the paper ones and to me that's just like i can't make myself do it who's like this is only three bucks like yeah but the three bucks also buys this like sheaf of paper that's been stapled together and all of the effort to put that in. And you know how much it costs to make one of those things. And yet the digital is the same price. Like, fuck that. I can't do it. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, so for, for us, right. How much, 
how much of the actual cost of producing that comic in terms of your labor, Doug's labor, how does that compare to the printing costs? Because it seems fairly... Like, it's not mostly the production of the physical object, right? Do I? Like, the total cost of having a box of comics, right, mm. takes into account your labor, takes into account Doug's labor, and then takes into account the, the cost of actually physically building the thing. And I don't think that the cost of physically making the thing dwarfs the cost of of making the thing that it is, you know? Well, it it adds the amount that it costs to make them and ship them. Sure, but... So if I'm not making them and shipping them, why am I adding that into the price? Well, but what I'm saying is you're... Because I can't? No, I'm saying you're not necessarily adding that into the price. Like, you... Like, a lot of stuff could be cheaper if there was a smaller margin on it or if the people who made it were willing to work for less money or whatever. I mean, there's there are a lot of mitigating factors that could make things cheaper for the consumer, but that's not always the best way to make the world better. Sure, but in this we're doing a side-by-side comparison of identical products that are the result of an identical process. One of which is exists as a file on a server which requires no labor to be transferred to me. One of which is a physical object with weight and mass that takes time and money and people to move right, around. Right, and, and but what I'm saying is that... So why is one of them... Why are they the same price? They are completely different things. But, I mean... Why... The, the the question of value is not like I don't I don't do that math in my head when I think about that stuff right and and I don't I don't like it breaks down if you do it right like it, there are a lot of games that are ten times as good as Word Realms that cost less like should we charge less for Word Realms. Like, I don't think so, because I think that this, for what this is, this is a fair price, right? And it's like, it doesn't cost us anything to send out a copy of it to somebody, so why don't we make it cheaper? Well, because if we make it cheaper, then there's no chance of it ever be having, ever becoming worth it to have done it, right? I mean, and so, like... But to me, that's different than if we were selling CDs with Word Realms on it that were the same file only burned to a disc with a label and we were charging $11 for that too then you would say well why isn't the digital one cheaper than the physical one because the physical one is an object that takes energy and money to create yeah I guess I mean in in these cases though like I guess I just sort of think of the, the energy and money to create the physical object as being primarily a waste when what you care about is just the the IP I mean what they really should do is just raise the price of all of the physical books yeah you think I mean, that is the other way to, to solve that problem of me going well what the fuck this is the same price even though it's nothing instead of a book right I mean that's the thing like 
the parts of it that I care about are the same in a digital copy versus a copy that's actually printed, right? And so it is very easy for me to say, well, I'm not buying a stack of paper with ink on it. I'm buying this book. And so that's the thing that has value. So I'm determining how much value that has to be and that's how much I'm willing to pay for it. And it doesn't matter what the margins are, right? I mean, because it's it's like, I'm going to wait until this is on sale so that I can, so that Amazon makes less money off of it. You know, I'm... Well, I I just have a ceiling for ebooks the same way that I had a ceiling for CDs kind of like if an ebook costs more than $12, I'm not going to buy it. And I'm just going to read something else that is cheaper than that because to me that that is enough to pay for a nothing that, you know, that is several hours of entertainment, sure. But I am unaccustomed to paying that much for a a file, you know. You know, there is just there is the MP3 albums on Amazon that are fifteen bucks for the music download, for a download only. I'm not going to buy them. I'm going to wait until they're ten dollars because that seems more reasonable to me arbitrarily. Yeah. I don't know. To, To me, like buying media is such a It has become such a complicated thing, right? Because I I already have more media than I could ever consume if all I did for the rest of my life was consume the media that I already have available to me. And that isn't even counting, like, all of the books on Project Gutenberg that are just free, right? And so what does it mean for me to buy a new book? And what, what is the, like, essential nature of that transaction? Like, it's not like, well, this person has this thing that I need and so there need to be all of these sort of like rules about what is and isn't fair in this transaction right but like your job as a consumer is to decide what things are worth and if they are worth what people are asking you to pay then you buy them and if they're not then you don't buy them and I mean, maybe you complain about it so that they know that you haven't bought them and maybe it changes over time. But like, you know, none of this is anything that anybody needs. Right. And yeah. and the, the reason the reason that it is like the, it's it is so ephemeral and so, you know, trivially duplicatable and and whatever. And the reason that that's true is because it isn't really anything. You know, it's. It's only comparison wise when you go for fifteen dollars I get these words and these words that I'm paying for. Right. But I can give them to other people and I can read it anywhere I go and I can put it in my will to give to my son. Right. But then for fifteen dollars you're asking me to pay for just the words that I can't do any of those things with. You'd think there would be some consideration for, like, both the the non-physical, like, non-tangible quality of it and the fact that it does less than what you're used to getting. So, yeah, it's like, 
whenever you pay the same amount of money for getting for less of something than you used to get, it's called, you know, progress or reality, but it's also kind of a problem. I mean, how do you feel about, like, having a drink at a bar? Like, knowing, well, I could just buy this and make this myself at home for one-tenth the price. Well, there are intangibles at a bar. Right. Somebody else is making the drink for me. I'm there with my friends. I am out of my house. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I understand that there are the things that they have to do to be a successful bar are different than you have to do to be a successful liquor store. There's a lot more overhead. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's But fine. I mean, it gets to be on a certain level, I think that gets to be the same. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who is upset at a bar because this stuff could be cheaper. No, every time I go to the movies, I buy popcorn and so. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's just it's just. And I don't carry right? any yeah. of that shit and so, in because it's like it's just. And what so you that's do. the thing. It's like the the stuff that I'm willing to not do in my head, like the 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 ways in which I am willing to just commit to having this experience and put away the rational part of me that is going to tell me that a bunch of these things are bad ideas is the same thing that makes me not super upset that an ebook costs as much as the hardback book. Like if I really stop to think about it, then yes, I would. I would have a bunch of feelings about how this is bad, but like, I would rather just ignore it and not have those feelings. I guess, uh-huh. you know. You know, I've only ever bought like three ebooks, and they were all like five or six bucks each. So uh, you know, yeah. whatever. And in some cases, they were like, "Oh, I want to read this right now." And I'm at a hotel or something, you know. So intangibles. Hey, you wanna you wanna do some questions? We're uh we're 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 long enough to stop if we wanted to. Right. Let's uh if there aren't any more in the forums thread than there were the last time I yeah. checked, we might as well go through. Uh Dogtog Blade Blade says, New little Canadian quest, so great. I noticed that a lot of the text and description in the new zones is even more meta than usual, which I dig, but is that intentional or just funny? Uh I don't know. How much did did Riff do all of that writing, or did you do some of it? I may have done a little of it a long time ago, but I th- I'm pretty sure it was mostly. Yeah. Riff. So it could just be that you're not used to you're not used to a thing that is like just a hundred percent Riff wrote. Which I believe mm-hmm. I believe a lot of those new like because a lot of those monsters have only existed for like a couple months, like when yeah. when the work really when that finally got turned into a thing that was actionable. Sort of. Hmm. That was weird. You guys should have seen how weird this was when Chris made it the way that Riff spec'd it. Also, apparently the Swamp Beaver Shaman howls at you with anger and hatred as tribal religious readers are wont to do. So there's that. Yeah, this is a good, good typo. Uh, Canifar40 says, how long in development was the Canadia Quest? Not uh, nearly as long as you would think. Um, there was this... If you, like, if you take out the Caesura in the middle... Yeah, and and I would argue that we kept getting into kept getting into fights with Riff and Kevin about this because they kept saying, "Oh, it's the the Mist Quest is totally done," and I just kept saying, "No, it is one hundred percent totally not," because nobody can describe what it would be like for a KOL player to play KOL and have this quest happen to them, and uh, and it was just this frustrating uh, long thing, and I just never had a good idea for it, and. 
you know, it was, there were all of these, like, it was, oh, it's just an escort quest. Like, oh, okay. So you'll notice a bunch of, like, 2005-era World of Warcraft jokes in there. And then it's like, by the time we figured out that, like, well, that's not really a thing that we can do unless somebody can write down how this should work. You know, and, and I, like, I just don't, and I was just being stubborn about it a lot of the time. But then it was finally, like, Riff was like, why don't I write something that is like a real thing and we just do this? I'm like, oh, okay. Thanks, cool dude, for fixing those uncool Green Lantern things. You are cool. Well, thanks, Wack, for making that list of specific grievances that I got in the mood to yeah. fix that one time. Mr. Skullhead, how do you get a child to catch the reading bug? He's read Harry Potter, or most of it, I think. Who? What? I'm guessing Wax Child. Or a child that Wack wants to get to catch the Wax pancake. <clears throat> I don't know. The way that we did it is just to always... Like, we started reading to him before bed when he was, like, three months old. Like, as soon as he was able to, like, look at the book in front of him and see that there was a thing in front of him, we've been reading to him before mm-hmm. bed. And then we just started recently on reading books with chapters in it and slowly ratcheting up the difficulty level, you know, like how much, how dry it is and how many illustrations it has mm-hmm. and and trying to read in front of him too so that he sees that we still do it. So I, I don't know, I'm just going to model it and just keep... See, I figure I'm going to be able to get my kid to catch the jerking off bug by making sure to do that in front of him. Yeah. And I met other people's kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a reason why you can't go back to Skateland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, if if I were really concerned about the government listening to me, I wouldn't say shit like that. Yeah. Um, I don't... You know, if if Malcolm Gladwell is to be believed, there isn't a correspondence between kids, like, getting into reading and academics... And them being read to as as kids, but having books in the house corresponded. So just like being uh-huh. the kind of people that read is more important than actually reading to the kid. Statistically, but who knows? Who knows if that's real or not? Um, it, that's kind of tricky because the people who have the books in the house are more likely to show their kids what the books are yeah. for. Whereas your poor family that doesn't value reading at all is not going to have books in the house and the kid's going to learn to watch TV from them. But I mean, I wonder if just telling your kid reading is fun is as important as demonstrating to your kid that reading is fun. Right? Once you get, like, past a basic level, because, like, one of the things they check for in kindergarten, like, before he, before Ollie could go into kindergarten, is that he could tell which part of the book words are. And he could tell, like, where the story in the book was contained in the words as opposed to the pictures. Wow, what if the kid's, like, a visual so, like, thinker and, like, they just don't let him into kindergarten because yeah. he's, he's an artist? Well, the, then later they will give him some drugs so that he stops being mm, like that. Okay. And then he'll be fine. I mean, like, the plural of anecdote isn't data, but my sister and I, my parents always read to us before bed, big sister and I. And we both love to read. Little sister does not really. And she was not read to before mm. bed as much because shit was heavier in the night household when she was little. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Mm. Stupid science. Every time I post, like, man, Ollie is so hyper. I can. Uh, we shouldn't have given him that cake. Some dipshit has to post. Well, actually, there was a scientific study that proved that sugar does not make children hyper. Yeah, fuck you. Every time my kid has sugar, he gets hyper. It doesn't matter what social situation he's in, and I'm sorry that that contradicts your study where they had 20 kids and they gave them sugar and they were all mellow as shit. But, uh, yeah, no. Well, the question is, is he not hyper when he doesn't have sugar? Yes. This is confirmation bias. I mean, the the question is... Do you need to shit on somebody else's pointless yeah. Facebook anecdote yeah, the, the with question some science? Is what is and more no. valuable in that... <laughs> like, yeah. What is more valuable in that discussion? Having read a paper that ha- that was a scientific study or having observed and had a kid for a while now? It's kind of like if you say to somebody, God, I'm tired, and they go, well, you went to bed at like 8, and you slept until 7, so that's 11 hours, so... Oh, thanks, I'm not tired anymore. Oh, see, if somebody said that to me, I would be like, oh yeah, I kind of did sleep too much. That's probably why I'm tired. Uh, actually, there was a scientific study that proved that you can't sleep too much and get too, get overtired from. Uh, over was there sleep. really? Yeah, because no. all of my all of my personal data fails to back that up. For for all I slept I too know. much yesterday, and all it did was make me have to poop a bunch. <laughs> I eat food. Says is the end of the Nemesis Quest a reference to Cheers? Their wooden Indian statue was stolen by the rival bar, and after the entire show, it turned out that Coach sent it out to be polished. Oh, cheers. Uh, I, you know, I don't know uh, which version of the Nemesis Quest you're talking about. So, and any, even if I did, I still wouldn't know. You'd have to ask Riff. <laughs> Glebe says, do you know how many new players complete the Nemesis Quest in the first ascension? Nope. Probably, probably a bunch because it's a thing that the game tells you to do. It's not, the, the guild stuff is not as signposted as the council stuff, but, uh, you know, I think that, Generally, you're not going to be, like, out-leveling stuff, so you're going to be looking for stuff to do. But I could be wrong, and it could be super Byzantine. It's been so long since I've played through one of them. Maybe it's impossible. Question, says Spies Like Me. Where's my cat with cat hat? Where's my cat hat with cat ears, crafting leathery cat skin, and a cat tattoo? I like cats. Well, there's the cat. There's some cat ears that you can get. Uh, why not add more items to the multi-use list like elf farm raffle tickets and so on there used to be a forum thread where people would suggest items that could be multi-usable usually if somebody asks about a specific one on the radio then I will I will look into it the elf farm raffle ticket is one of those weird ones though where it does different things under different circumstances so the logic for using multiples of them gets weirder but it's I mean it's not impossible uh, can we please untinker the NPZR back to a head in its parts? I messed up. I can stand to lose some body parts in the process as a punishment. Nah. Just don't mess up, man. Money suggestion for a donation of $50 or more. You can request any past Mr. Store item once per year per account. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. F says, I got the death stare from a little girl when I was driving home today. What did I do wrong? Mr. Skullhead, what did he do wrong? A little girl? Shit, I don't know, man. Little girls are crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> little girls are just uh, are just nascent bitches, and the one thing I know to be true is that bitches be all crazy and shit. Hmm. The one thing I know is that bitches ain't shit, but hoes and, hoes and tricks, but hoosiers and tricks. 
Mana user says, why does Silent Squirt suck so much? It costs twice as much as the other two silent attacks and apparently does less. Well, it, it only does less under certain circumstances. You can use it with no weapon equipped and it does more damage. The other ones rely on your weapon. And so there are circumstances under which Squirt will do more damage than Slice or Slam. Daniel Dreamcatch says, salutations to you both. I'd like to know something. When you were doing the writing and creating for the game, why you settled on banjos as one of the driving forces for Disco Bandits. I'd like to hear your thought process behind it, since it's very interesting to me why you made that choice. P.S. Banjos rule. Uh, just because my old roommate went by Disco Banjo on everything, that's it. It was mm. just a, it was just one of those things where it's like these two things, these two things don't go together. Har har har. Uh, Jamelli says, I'm a huge fan of chasing long-term goals. The sea stuff is just about perfect as a goal for me to chase, and I'm having lots of fun doing it. How often do you think long-term goals, tattoos, quests, gear collection, etc., should be added to KOL? Or is it more a case of waiting for the right idea rather than waiting for the right time to release it? It is more waiting for the right idea, I think. When we are doing something big, like, if it is something that we think is going to be replayable a bunch of times, or if our goal is to make something replayable a bunch of times, we will we will often think, oh, well, what can we put in here as a long-term goal for the people who want a long-term goal? Um, yeah, I don't know, man. There's no there's no rubric. I do know this rube named Rick. Oh, that, I'm that sorry, Rick. Rick. I, didn't mean, I, I didn't mean to call my uncle a rube. Uh, Wax says, what's your favorite bit of writing you've done that had to be rejected from the game for whatever reason? The roofie? No. Yeah. No. Have I done anything that's been rejected from I the game? I don't think so. I don't think so. Usually, because I'm, I'm Mr. Voice of Reason, you know, so... Yeah, but I mean, have I ever written anything that you made me change? I, I can't make you do shit, man. I can say, people are going to be mad about that, and you don't like it when no, people but I mean, are have mad you, at but you. No, but I you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I mean, general, like, guy, yeah, I don't know, fatty, <laughs> that guy, that guy was yeah. so mad, somebody, somebody recently found out about that and was real mad, old one says, do you ever want to stop working on KOL to focus all your attention on other projects, how confident are you and your staff to keep the ship running if you were absent for a few months, um, I don't know, I think you guys would do okay, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't do that to you. Like, I don't think you guys would enjoy that. And so... It, I think if you preloaded some things that we should all be working on, I think we would keep yeah. going. I mean, the... The oversight... Like, I don't know. The, figuring out what comes next is hard, but it's also fun. You know, it's like, it's exciting to have something new to work on. And that part, you know, I end up doing a lot of the synthesis, uh, like implementation wise of, of everybody else's collected work, but Chris could do that. And yeah, I don't, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do, I don't like I would feel like stepping stepping away from KOL completely for more than like a week or two, which is uh, th that's like the longest I've ever spent not 
not with my hands in there, you know, and it was just because I was like hiking or whatever. And I would worry that I would worry that I would lose some of the muscle memory for the tools and, and, and stuff and just not like every once in a while after a long weekend, I come back in and I'm like, ah, what the fuck is anything? You know, mm-hmm. so so I, I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks like, ah, you know, I, I wish I had time to dedicate to these other projects, but like, they're not, none of them are as real a thing, right? I mean, it's KOL is my job and I don't, I like it. So I don't want to, I don't ever feel like, ah, I wish I could just stop doing this. Hmm. Yeah, that's the cool, answer to man. that question, man. And that's the, that's the end of that thread, man. Oh, great. And I have to log cool. in to the forums again. That's the end of our couple of hours of being on the radio. We're actually, uh, we're an honest Holy crap! this time. Well, not quite. We're at, a, we're at an hour 52 by my clock. You know what I should quit telling my wife is this will probably be a short show because there's not much mm-hmm. to talk about. Because I don't want to set up that expectation. Mm-hmm. I should just tell her that uh, even though the delivery mechanism of the show is more physical and there aren't any upfront costs that it's going to be the same amount of yeah, time. We, I mean, we got to, we got to do that. This is the important part of the work here. Like the, the, you know, the bandwidth for getting it to you is free. Also, that's not free. Exactly. Bandwidth is not free. Freedom mm-hmm. isn't free. Data centers, not free. Information wants to be free. Information though. also wants to be very expensive is the second part of that quote. Yeah. Freedom wants to be just another word for nothing left to lose. Freedom toast is fucking delicious. Mm. All right. Good old freedom well, uh, what's how, how are we ending this? I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, so, so everybody, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for playing. There will be a thread in the forums for posting questions for next week's show. You could totally hit me up on Facebook, because I will like talk to you and stuff. And uh, I'm Mr. Skullhead, and I'm leaving. And I'm Jick, and I'm already gone.